U.S. Supreme Court is set to rule on affirmative action programs in higher education in the coming weeks. And one of the two cases before the court alleges Harvard's policy discriminates against Asian Americans. According to a 2022 survey conducted by APIA Vote, 69 percent of Asian Americans support affirmative action policies. So where are Asian Americans in this debate and how do they feel about the legal fight? Joining us now is WBEZ higher education reporter Lisa Phillip, who's been putting out stories on this and out with a new one this morning. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Sasha. So in your reporting, you write that Asian American college applicants, they've been, quote, cast as victims of affirmative action, often unwillingly, uh, end quote. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think it goes back to this poll that you mentioned and poll after poll that's shown support among Asian Americans for the policy of affirmative action. Um, I think there's a lot of misperceptions about out there about what affirmative action is. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think it involves racial quotas, but that's not used anymore. Yeah. Um, it's really used as like it's race is considered as a whole part or a part of a student's whole package, let's say. Um, but yeah, and then there's this misperception out there that Asian Americans are largely critical of affirmative action and that they've in some way been hurt and They've lost an advantage in favor of that's that's instead uh, preferencing like black and Latinx students. Yeah. And there isn't much truth behind that. Um, But it's definitely become part of this narrative that's been put out there. And for the story, you spoke with Oyan Poon, who's a a local higher education researcher and activist. And you talked about the Harvard case and, and the second case against the University of North Carolina. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. Every time I go talk to a group of people about these cases, I always start by asking, how many of you think Asian Americans are suing Harvard? And almost every hand goes up. And then I show a picture of Ed Blue. (laughs) And then people are very shocked that they've been bamboozled. She mentioned Ed Bloom there. Who is he and why is he leading cases against Harvard and UNC? Yeah. So Ed Bloom is a white man, notably, and he is a conservative legal activist who's been known for a long time to oppose affirmative action policies. So policies that give some sort of preference or take into consideration, really, um, a person's race. So he's brought he's actually brought a case previous to these two current cases um, that alleged discrimination against a white woman um, by University of Texas, Austin. So he has this background and he's founded this group called Students for Fair Admissions mm-hmm. that is has brought these two current cases against Harvard and UNC, basically alleging that these uh, race-based or race-conscious admissions policies are unconstitutional and disadvantaged. He's, he's definitely co-opted um, Asian Americans into this part of his argument. And he there there are ostensibly some members of Students for Fair Admissions that are Asian, but yeah. the face of this organization is a, and the leader of this organization is a white man. Right. I mean, it, where is his claim coming from specifically, right, about the discrimination against Asian Americans? And is there validity to it? Yeah. So um, it's hard to say. I mean, I think what is kind of tricky about this is that um, there's this uh, aspect of the Harvard admissions case where they're the students for fair admissions is alleging that they've put these they're they're considering um race they're considering personality and you have this sort of ceiling on asian american students um it's hard to say whether that's actually happening and you know by and large 
affirmative action policies have been shown to help Asian American students. Um, so, well, how yeah. are Asian Americans responding? As I, I'm hearing that a small number of folks in the community actually agree with the the Student for Fair Admissions group. Yeah, yeah. So Oyan talked about this because she's done a lot of research into how Asian Americans um, are actually feeling about affirm- affirmative action policies, and. She found that, like, by and large, you know, a lot of people support the policies, but there's this very vocal minority of largely Chinese Americans, and they tend to be newer immigrants to this country. They've been raised in a culture that's, like, very much values meritocracy. Yeah. Um, but they're and they're getting a lot of attention um, in, in their claims against affirmative action. So I think a lot of Asian Americans, though, are upset that they're they're being portrayed in this way. And and a lot of, you know, Asian Americans have played a big role in the history of just racial justice movements and being a part of that coalition. So I know that Oyan Poon, uh, you know, especially expressed this just like this sadness over having her image be used in this way. Yeah, let's let's hear from her again. In your story, you write about how in the 1980s, Asian Americans noticed their numbers at more selective universities really flatlining. Here she is talking about that. Demographically, our country was continually getting more diverse. And so these young people asked for investigations into whether this was happening, an anti-Asian bias in favor of white applicants. However, what ended up happening was conservative politicians seized onto it and said, yeah, because of affirmative action, that's why Asian Americans are being harmed. And these young people, these young Asian American student activists were like, we never said that. So what were Asian American student activists trying to say? Yeah, so they were saying that basically um, these universities were giving white students preference over Asian American students and kind of putting a ceiling in place for them. And that got really mixed up and conflated. I mean, so conservative um, activists sort of seized on that to say, oh, it's affirmative action. These policies that advantage, you know, underrepresented minorities that are hurting Asian American students, when in fact, they were asking for investigations and they actually got them. Um, and there were findings that in some cases, Asian American students were being disadvantaged, but in favor of white students, not in favor of black or Latinx students. Oh, I see. So this really like conservative activists were really leaning into these like model minority stereotypes of like trying to Oyan, you know, said that it was sort of like trying to, you know, divide um, and conquer really like you're she's you're holding up this model minority, Mm -hmm. these Asian Americans that like if you just work harder like them, you don't need affirmative action. Um, So you know, all of this got really, Which is why really mixed they're up. saying that they're they're pa- being painted as victims. Of, yes, of, of exactly. This, this policy. Exactly. So, where does it seem that the Supreme Court ju- uh, justices fall on the issue now? I, a lot of folks are predicting that they're ready to overturn precedent and and do away with the consideration of race in college admissions because of you know, things they said during the arguments, the questions were they were asking and just based on past mm-hmm. decisions of this court, um, the 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 policy was upheld as recently as 2016 with the case I mentioned against UT Austin. But right. it just seems like this this time things might go differently. Yeah, because because yeah. if the court does end up siding with the Students for Fair Admissions group, 
I wonder what it means for schools and their affirmative action programs moving forward. Like, is there going to be a, a big change to the way these schools go about admissions? Yeah, in the sense that they won't be able to consider a person's race, which when you think about it is a big part of a student's identity and has a lot to do with the kind of educational opportunities they had during their K-12 to experience. So I know colleges are kind of looking towards other ways of getting at these things, but there have been studies done of, you know, what are the impacts and like is does considering something like socioeconomic status substitute? And it really doesn't for in terms of getting... Of a mm. fair representation of our country's racial makeup, it really doesn't do enough. And in the states that already have bans in place, uh, we've seen degree of attainment amongst students of color drop. And for the folks who want affirmative action to stay in place, what's the concern? Yeah, the concern is that you're going to be cutting off access to a lot of folks, a lot of a lot of people of color, in that you won't like like I said, you won't be taking into account these. This very large part of their identity that's their lived experience. Yeah, their lived experience, their opportunity. And then there's like, how do you disregard a person's race? Like, how is that going to actually work on the ground? If a student brings that up in their essay, can we do we have to ignore it? Like, pretend we we didn't see it? Do we pretend we didn't see it? So the actual like daily just how will this work? On the ground is very sticky. Yes, extremely sticky. We've been saying, uh, Lisa, that justices will will have to make a decision by the end of the month. Any sense of when a final decision could be made here? No. I mean, all I know is that sometime this month, I know like Oyan is like, I'm going to be on edge every Monday and Thursday waiting for this decision to drop this month, just so you know. So I know I will be, too. We'll keep our eyes peeled. Lisa Phillip is a higher education reporter for WBEZ, and you can read her story on WBEZ.org. Thank you. Thank you.